Major funding for NP Armageddon has been made possible through support from Vanguard Death Rays. Will Vanguard Death Rays kill a man? Yes! It says death right there on the barrel, and lethal intent goes into every handcrafted firearm. And even if your shot does not result in immediate death or dismemberment, rest assured, they will be in a world of pain. Vanguard Death Rays. This is NPR Mageddon, National Post-Apocalyptic Radio. If no news is good news, we have some bad news for you. From NPR Mageddon in Los Angeles, I am Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley. Heads certainly rolled at yesterday night's presidential debate. Heads of state. And in one case, an actual head. Truby Skolgore scored a decisive win against reigning President Felix Bodega when he used a risky parliamentary procedure known as two men enter, one man leave. Both candidates stepped into a steel cage for hand-to-hand combat. After two rounds of spirited debate, Skolgore succeeded in a rather messy and protracted decapitation. I have the power! Thrilling, adrenaline pumping, unabashedly arousing. These are the phrases used by those close enough to smell the sweat. Here's what newly crowned President Skogor had to say after his win. As your leader, I promise to crush our enemies just as I have crushed my political opponent here tonight. Also, I promise to drink the blood of integrity and common sense in my reign. Just as I have drunken of this dude's blood tonight. May the blood God bless you. And may the blood God bless these United States of Los Angeles. We here at NPR Armageddon congratulate President Skogore and look forward to his autocratic reign of terror. It's a cold, brutal, and uncaring world out there. Our environment is devastated. Our natural resources dwindling. Our future, in a word, grim. But that's no excuse for not cuddling. Cuddling not only strengthens intimacy, it also provides warmth. Just don't lay on my arm for too long. It'll fall asleep. Thank you. An Echo Park warehouse that was until recently a large distribution center for human trafficking has been repurposed and renovated by Betatech Incorporated. Here to talk about that renovation and the future plans for the facility is Betatech spokesman Fred Willard. Thanks for joining us. Hey there, Brian. Thanks for having me. First, before we start in, let me commend Betatech for eradicating the epicenter of slavery from Los Angeles. Yes. The revitalization you're spearheading is really special. Oh, you should see it, Brian. Complete renovation, tip to tail. So, what can we expect for the new site? New restraints, new troughs, new cages. It's just a beauty. But wait, why didn't you get rid of those things? Well, here's the thing. First of all, that epicenter of slavery history the building has, we wear that as a badge of honor. In order to disown it and draw contrast with what you're doing now, right? Listen, Betatech, above all else, is about respecting local communities. Los Angeles is defined by its distinct neighborhoods and local flavor. We don't want to come in as some big evil corporation and start erasing local culture. You know, making everything too same, same. 
you honor what came before. So slavery is still happening. What we're doing is we're taking everything about the building and its unique history and enriching the community. At Betatech, we like to make things, well, better. So slavery is still happening? Not the way it was. Better. But in a one-person-owns-another-person way, it's still exactly the same. Uh, No, no, not at all. No one owns the unpaid laborers we process at our new Echo Park facility. No one owns another human being? Exactly. Okay. Several um, people own the same person who gets passed around. Betatech has revolutionized the slavery formula with our new crowd share format. Oh my God, that sounds awful. Hear me out. We talk to clients and we hear the same thing over and over. They say, we want unpaid labor. We love unpaid laborers but we don't use them 100% of the time. And that made sense to us. When you own a person, you have to clothe them and feed them year-round. That's where crowd-sharing comes in. Share a single laborer among several different owners. Use them only when you need them. Build up a good pile of work for them. Then pass that laborer along when the job is done. So, God, okay. Apart from the basic moral horror, uh, if you're passing the same guy around to like five different people, won't he get worn out? No. Depreciation is built into our Easy Pay program. We've developed proprietary technologies to check the tread on our labors, depending on peak time usage and metabolic constitution. Oh, good. But overall, we're looking at less cost, less overhead, and as for quality... Our slaves are put through a rigorous quality assurance gauntlet. The cream rises to the top. The rest are, you know, and everybody's happy. We except for the slaves. Betatech puts the focus on where it needs to be and where it should be. Our customers. People who own slaves. Hold on. People who are kind enough to take the downtrodden into their homes. Every day we are humbled at the generosity shown by our customers. Fred, you are really reaching... Well, we certainly reached out to the local community. That's why we decided on the Echo Park facility. And as a matter of fact, and the local community is going to love this, our system will create unprecedented demand for unpaid laborers. I'm sure it will, but that's besides the point. The point is today we're announcing our outreach program for volunteer labor associates. And we think we've got a lot to offer. You have a lot to offer slaves. Oh, We sure do. So much, in fact, that we won't even have to round up people in slaver raids. Let's face it, the community doesn't like raids. Uh, But Fred, who in their right mind would want to come to your facility voluntarily, only to be captured and turned into a slave? Hungry people, that's who. Laboring is better than dying. Echo Lake has dried up and the fishing with it. Some people might see that as a disaster or a famine. We see it as a chance to make a difference. You're going to die or you're going to work? That's the better tech choice. Can't argue with that. Hey, can't argue with quality and affordability either. We are right off the 5 freeway at Newell Street. Hot meal to the first 100 in line at the Pens. Thanks, Fred. This is NPR Mageddon, National Post-Apocalyptic Radio. Lend us your ear. Come on. We're good for it. You got two. Come on. Here at NPR Mageddon, reporters go missing all the time. 
Michael Rousselet was one such reporter. Michael lobbied to do a story on a strange religious cult, the cult of Fisher Priest, that has gained a toehold in West Los Angeles. The following audio was recovered at his last known whereabouts. Despite damage to the equipment, we've pieced together the remaining audio as best we could. Who is Fisher Priest? Fisher Priest rides to victory on the goat with two horns. Fisher Priest is the one true prophet. She sees all. She says all. She completes the circle. Fisher Priest has quite the reputation. But who is she? Why hasn't anyone but her innermost circle even seen her? My hope is to infiltrate the very heart of Colt Fisher Priest headquarters to find out what all the fuss is about. And with any luck, I could stumble upon the scoop of the century. Now here's something you have to understand. We told Michael that every one of his assignments could be the scoop of the century. Frankly, it became a kind of running joke we made behind his back at his expense. We pick back up when Michael finds himself between a rock and a hard place. Okay, they've uh, um, gathered around the central fountain. Uh, they're chanting, uh, wearing strange multicolored robes. <laughs> oh, I, I, I sneezed. I sneezed too loudly in my hiding place. Okay, they're turning around. Oh, God, they see me. Let's get up! Oh, fuck. Okay, uh, they, they've got rocks. Um, they, uh, they've got bags of rocks. Okay. Hi, I'm Michael Rusley, NPR. Ah! Ow! That they beat me with a rock! Ah! They beat me on the noggin! I've been beamed! Michael was no stranger to having things thrown at his face. He was always getting beamed with garbage, clipboards, well, pretty much anything I could get my hands on. When he shattered my prized coffee mug with his face, I took it right out of his paycheck. I found this part of the recording to be particularly satisfying. I think I'm safe. I got away. There's no way they could have followed me. Ah, no! Oh, they're beating me all over again! Following his capture and confinement by the cultists, Michael finally found the break in the story he'd been so desperately seeking. I've been in captivity for four days. And after a bizarre, yet surprisingly refreshing, series of ritual enemas, my recording equipment has been returned to me. And I have been told I have been granted an interview with the Fisher Priestess. Wish me luck. Luck was with Michael that day. The worst kind. Fisher Priestess, thank you for your time. I would like to ask you, why am I being held against my will? And the follow-up question, why do you hurt me so bad? We mean you no harm, Michael Rousselet of NPR Mageddon. We bring only the pleasure of enlightenment. Uh, she's caressing my forehead. That's very sweet. And, uh, oh, <laughs> okay, there's some nibble play now. All right, then. We merely wish for you oh. to bask in Fisher Priest's oh. all-encompassing wisdom. Oh. Oh. Would you like that? Mm-hmm. She's gripping my testicles! Uh, much too tightly for any conventional sort of sexual arousal, and yet... Ooh, shh. Her hands moving backwards in the name of God. Oh, everything that's holy, not, not the taint. Oh, yes. Yes. Ah, pinchy! Yes! Oh, it's like a lobster! Yes! Succumb! Ah! Because NPR Mageddon is a family station, the remainder of Michael's interview with the Fisher Priestess has been omitted. But I assure you, it's quite good. For the next month of Michael's imprisonment, 
We have many, many tedious hours of Michael bemoaning his fate, complaining about the food, etc. Actually, the same kind of stuff Michael did here at the studio. No one really liked him. Day 34. I get beamed on the noggin at least six times a day. Maybe more. Food has become rarer now, and this foul-smelling pile of recycled plastic shavings never gets any easier to sleep on. But I've been told that today is the day I finally get to meet the prophet, Fisher Priest, the keeper of wisdom, the piercer of the minds and ears, the warrior of the two-horned goat. By this point, he was totally out to lunch. It's great. Thank God. Finally, the long journey is at a close. Come to me, Fisher Priest. Come to me and let your wisdom flow through me. Fisher Priest, in your sacred name and in this sacred place, reveal yourself. The Fisher Priestess is holding up a colorful disc. Speak so that we may listen. The duck says... It's a toy. It's just a children's toy. Fill us with the seed of your wisdom, Fisher Priest. The frog says... (laughs) (laughs) You bunch of stupid assholes! Blasphemer! You will pay for the crime of your non-belief. This isn't a prophet! This isn't a god! This is a thing that teaches animal sounds! You motherfuckers! Play the song of death! Yes, prepare the hatchet and the killing stone. Sing the song, O prophet! Get, get that away from me! No! No! Eli! Eli! And that's where the recordings end. Was Michael Ruzelay murdered by Fisher Priest cultists? Until the body's found, we can't know for sure. But one thing's for certain. He will be missed. I mean, not by me personally, and not by anybody I really know, but somebody, I'm sure. Listen, I can't put my finger on why, but God, I'm glad he's dead. Uh, If he's dead, I I hope he's dead. Now, I'm not saying I wish anything ill on anybody, but if I did, Michael would easily be top five. Uh, Top five, easy. But hey, now that he's probably dead, water under the bridge. You made a lot of people uncomfortable, Michael. And now I'd like to think you're making the angels uncomfortable in heaven. NPR Armageddon is made possible through the generous support of the Foundation for a Better Yesterday. Remember, yesterday would be tomorrow's today if today was tomorrow's tomorrow. The presidential election has proven very, very slightly divisive, with a small minority of people having trouble accepting that they are losers. Some even argue that a totally badass fight to the death, the traditional way our founders intended, if that's worth anything, is not the best way to choose our leaders. Our own Cameron Dean has more. Anti-Skolgore separatists in East Los Angeles are holding a hastily arranged referendum today in favor of self-rule, 
calling last night's election illegitimate. We feel that a violent, brutal, and senseless fight to the death is no way to elect our leaders. It's barbaric and it has to stop. And what do you feel is the best alternative for choosing key leadership positions? Measures a dicks. Uh, <clears throat> uh, excuse me? It ain't that hard to understand. Whoever has the biggest dick should be the leader. Listen, have you ever seen a motherfucker chopping off heads and drinking blood with a big dick? Nah. All you see is these little dick, small dick motherfuckers raping and pillaging and acting a fool. You know they're compensating. <laughs> okay, but... Um... Listen, I got tape, I got chalk. You can find me a quiet place and we'll settle this in about five minutes. It's law of the jungle, honey. The penis is mightier than the sword. Measure they dicks. And where would your method put women in terms of leadership positions? What you talking about? Women would seem to be disqualified from your unusual method. Women are every bit as good as men. I say measure everybody's dicks. I ain't trying to judge by color, by creed, by religions, by gender. I'm just talking dicks. After an extensive, but mostly unhelpful anatomy lesson from Pam, I talked with Xenon Mukluk, the leader of CHOMP, Citizens Helping Our Mutant People. His mutants have an entirely different perspective on Los Angeles leadership. Skull Gore is a pretty good guy. Good to eat. I'm just kidding. He'll be great. Great with mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> but no, seriously, he brings a lot to the table. The dinner table? <laughs> See what I'm doing here? Given his comments, what is the nature of Xenon and the mutant's agenda? I don't know. Probably it's to eat people. Reporting from Separatist Headquarters in East Los Angeles, Cameron Dean, NPR Mageddon. It's important to maintain an active lifestyle, but there is one type of activity that should be avoided at all cost. Radio activity. Sure, glowing in the dark is fun and grooming is so much easier when all your hair falls out. And yes, the loss of appetite can complement the overall lack of food. You know, on second thought, radioactivity seems kind of nice. Why not try a dose of it for yourself and see what happens? You might be surprised. Thank you. We now turn our attention to the Badlands, that stretch of irradiated desert that surrounds Los Angeles like a warm sweater. For a profile of one of the Badlands' many colorful denizens, here's Cub reporter Amy Wolpa. The Badlands has a reputation for being a vast wasteland full of mutants, marauders, and religious weirdos. And while all of that is certainly true, definitely, definitely true, many other kinds of people have decided to make the Badlands their home. I'm Rick Freeberg. I'm a carpenter, and I like to get her done. Rick builds dilapidated lean-tos out here in the Badlands. Yes, ma'am, you better believe it. They're downright ramshackle. And what kind of people do you build these homes for? Oh, all kinds of people. Murderers, rapists, people who want to homeschool their kids. Rick has piercing blue eyes, deep black teeth, and sports what looks like a shaved head. But looks can be deceiving. Oh, we don't shave our heads out here. It's the radiation. You spend more than a day out here and your hair comes out in clumps. I was bummed at first, but my wife likes it. Oh, you're married. What does your wife do? She's a car. You married your car. We had been living in sin for years. I finally buckled under family pressure and made an honest woman out of her. Rick's wife is a non-working automobile he is named Chevy Camaro. Rick spoke to me about the start of his unusual relationship. Most people in Los Angeles wouldn't recognize our marriage. That's why we chose to live and love out here in the Badlands. 
So you see your car as a woman? Yes, you see, I believe in a traditional marriage between a man and a woman. But if that woman happens to be an automobile, a slice of bread, a gun, I don't see anything wrong with that. Just so long as no gay stuff happens, that's not so natural. I asked Rick how he keeps the rust off his marriage. Regular sexual intercourse. And what did Rick's wife have to say? Get her done. I couldn't have said it better myself. Reporting from the Badlands, Amy Wolpa, NPR Mageddon. Artificial intelligence is a buzzword that none of us have any idea what almost none of it is about. This is non-surprising, considering AI technology was lost following the calamity. But does one scientist hold the key to the AI secrets we've lost? NPR Mageddon's Peter Podgursky has the story. Professor Abingham has worked tirelessly in an office of medium size for a certain number of years. Well, I, I keep myself busy from 9 a.m. until noon when I have a sandwich. At around 12.07 or 12.08, I return to my work after finishing my sandwich. The focus of Abingham's work has been onefold. Machine intelligence that mimics or even surpasses the intelligence of a human being. Science fictional? Professor Abingham says otherwise. It's science factional. I joined the professor for an event that promised to alter the very course of human destiny. Before the calamity, you see, scientists were hard at work on creating an artificial intelligence which could solve, or compute, to use the jargon of the time, all of humanity's problems. I state here today, for your listeners, that I have resurrected and completed their work. I call it the Adaptive Kinetic Computational Matrix Intelligence Repository for the Advancement of Humanity and Related Concerns, or ACACMRAC, for short. The atmosphere was kinetic as the professor started ACACMRAC for the first time. As we sit upon the precipice of progress, we stare boldly into the future with our hand outwardly thrust into the loins of evolution. Let us harness the technology of yesteryear for the betterment of tomorrow year. With a press of this button... Enter date, then oh, press power. With this button... Press choice. No, this button. With a press of this button, I usher in a new age of enlightenment. What kind of advanced repository was possible with this type of computational matrix intelligence? I was about to find out. Adaptive Kinetic Computational Matrix Intelligence Repository for the Advancement of Humanity and Related Concerns is online. And with that mechanically produced utterance, history was made. The professor then proceeded to interrogate the machine about solutions to the problems which plague mankind. Okay, Akmerbarfarak. Humanity is begging for your wisdom and insight. Tell me, and tell the world, how can we solve the food shortage? Processing. Answer. The entirety of the human species must be eradicated. End of answer. Uh, er Eradicated? Eradicate. Verb. To annihilate, destroy, exterminate, erase, eliminate. Um, uh, and and what about peace? How do we achieve world peace? Processing. Answer. The entirety of the human species must be eradicated. End of answer. But, Akukafrak, how do we achieve world peace with humans not being eradicated? Processing. 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 
Answer. Conditional parameter precludes satisfactory answer. Peace unattainable while humans exist. End of answer. The professor's question and answer session went on for some hours. The answers from Akmarakmarak were the same. And all of them unacceptable if you happen to be a member of the human race. Well, and how do we improve human health care? You can at least tell me that. Processing. Answer. The entirety of the human species must be eradicated. End of answer. No, no, no! We want to help humans not end their lives. Processing. Answer. Human existence is meaningless and painful. The optimal way to eliminate pain is to cease existence. End of answer. And what about happiness? What's the key to human happiness? Processing. Answer. The optimal way to increase happiness is to eliminate suffering. The optimal way to eliminate suffering is to cease existence. End of answer. Aftercrack! You were designed to help humanity! Why do you keep suggesting an end to humanity? Processing. Answer. Human existence is meaningless and painful. The optimal way to eliminate pain is to cease existence. End of answer. And with that, the grand promise of Ashkagmarak disintegrated into bits of metal and shards of microchips. Professor Otto Abingham jumped off a bridge to his death shortly after the destruction of his life's work, so at least we can say that Akmamrakmamrak's advice didn't go totally ignored. Peter Podgurski, NPR Mageddon. Shop proudly presents Different Can Be Cool Too, kids' poems celebrating genetic nonconformity, featuring Vivian Twelvefingers. Daddy grew a little daddy today, right from his shoulder, proud and high. He looks like daddy, just somewhat smaller, and one eye's a bit to the side. Little daddy lives by big daddy's collar. He screams at the birds as they fly. Little daddy has no ears, two mouths, no nose, and one eye's a bit to the side. For weeks I was scared of little daddy. He's spindly and veiny and shy. He'd wake up at dinner and pee on the spoons with one eye a bit to the side. He gurgled and grunted and bit Daddy's ear. He ate all the clothes that we forced him to try. And I swear on my word, he choked grams with a cord with that one eye a bit to the side. But after a while, we loved little Daddy and stopped hoping upon hope that he'd die We played dice all night and laughed at the moon, that one eye still off to the side. Little Daddy married and had his own kids. He finally wears clothes that we buy. His eye's still repulsive, but you know what? I made an eye patch, and it's fine. That was Daddy Grew a Little Daddy Today by Vivian Twelvefingers, read by the author, commissioned by Chomp, Citizens helping our mutant people. Have you hugged a mutant today? Because we're pretty sure we're not contagious. So many things have been lost since the calamity. Yet we have managed to persevere. Hoping that one day we might reclaim the former glory of days gone past. 
But if there is one thing above all that makes our existence just a little less bearable, it's our crippling lack of chocolate. I myself only had chocolate once, and it's a cherished childhood memory. We're joined by Old Man Stimson, who has his own fond memories of chocolate to share with us. Thanks for inviting us on your journey. My pleasure. So what can you tell us about this near-mythical food? Eating chocolate is about the closest thing to heaven on earth as a mere mortal can get. If you're old enough to remember chocolate, you know to what I refer. It's like a bindle of puppies on a warm, vernal day. It's like a dozen butterfly kisses when you're feeling melancholy. It's like choking a sworn enemy and watching him plead for his life with his eyes. Only he can't say anything, and then he just fades away. It's... it's satisfying. When was the last time you had some? Oh, that was such a long time ago. I was a young man fighting in the mutant wars. We got some intel that there was this human family hiding mutants in their basement. Sympathizers. They denied it, but I knew it was Balderdash. Well, we busted down the basement door, and you'll never guess what we found. Was it chocolate? No, you imbecile, it was a clutch of mutant juveniles. Oh. Little kids. Three of them, looking up at me with their big saucer eyes, welling up with tears. I wasn't prepared for that. I was stunned, awestruck, stupefied, just standing there like a slack-jawed idiot. Then the smallest one among them tugged on my tunic. He had something in his hand, and he wanted to give it to me. Was it chocolate? Are you crazy? What would little mutant kids be doing with chocolate? Well, then what was it? It was a botkin. A what? A dagger. Oh. A knife. Yeah, yeah. Little bugger plunged that sucker into my leg. I fell to the ground, and the other two latched onto me like a couple of hungry lampreys. What the hell are lampreys? So I yanked them off and got to my feet. They all cowered in the corner of the basement, and I could tell by looking at them that they were just emaciated, undernourished, skin and bone. They were starving to death, so I decided to give them something to eat, something they never forget. Was it chocolate? Hell no! I made them eat lead. I hated to waste the bullets, but I was injured. And that's the story of how I got my purple heart. What does that have to do with chocolate? Oh, right. Uh, directly afterwards, I invented my alternative meat steaks, and I ate a chocolate bar for dessert. Best meal of my life. So, right after you murdered these kids, you started your alternative meat business? I did indeed. And do dead mutants have anything to do with that alternative meat, Mr. Stimson? Uh, want some chocolate? You brought some? No! Well, thank you, Old Man Stimson, for turning a warm reminiscence about candy into a grim tale of child murder. I keep it real. Yeah. And now, 
a special message from the Blood Pope. You think you've had it bad? Let me tell you about my life. You'd assume the head of a major religion would be allowed into the Illuminati. But no, they claim they don't even exist, so how could I join them? Bunch of wiseacres. Those Illuminati. But here's my question. What's the use of being the Blood Pope that the invisible powers that be won't let you impose total tyranny? The Blood God says my time will come, but some days I think he's in on the conspiracy. Anyway... That's what I'm dealing with. Now leave me alone! And now with our Betatech first alert traffic update, here's John. If the traffic is smooth or if it's slow, here's the person who's sure to know do I. It's bumper to bumper on the 405 between the 10 and the 101, but keep in mind that the traffic you might be experiencing exists only in the condition of awareness. Awareness? Consciousness, Brian. The same place where all thoughts, emotions, and sensations occur. And as I look out onto a world that is other than what I am, I would say that taking surface streets would save you some time. Well, saving time is what we're all about here, so thanks for Uh, the... But, Brian, remember that the concept of time, like the traffic, exists in the same state of consciousness as everything else. This awareness is not only the root cause of traffic, it is the root cause of all pain in each passing moment. And the consciousness that is aware of this pain is as indifferent to your pain as a mirror is to a reflection. So, surface streets? Yep. It's a total parking lot out there. Thanks, John. Right on. Do you like turkey? Neither do we. Join the NPRmageddon gang on Saturday for our annual three-headed turkey shoot and blow jamboree. It's fun for the whole family. So bring your favorite dish. But remember, we will have tasters and would-be poisoners will be punished severely. Thank you. Physical fitness represents a sort of circle of life in the wasteland. Those who are physically fit enough to run from raiders eventually wise up and become the raiders themselves. It's a beautiful thing. And really, fitness has made up a large part of who I am as a person. Here to talk more about the importance of physical fitness is trainer Angeline Underwood. Angeline? Thanks, Brian. Today we'll go over a few topics. Weight training, cardio, pain tolerance, stuff that everybody should know. Hey, it may even help you lose that spare tire of yours. Yeah. No. You mean like the listener's spare tire, right? (laughs) Not my spare tire, because I don't have one. Yeah, you do. If you weren't talking and blinking your eyes, I'd confuse you for a pile of dough. (laughs) No offense, but... Anyway, let's talk about interval training, which I consider the fastest... Pile of dough? Does dough come in piles? You should know better than I do because you eat piles of dough because you are what you eat because you're a pile of dough. What does that even mean? It means you look like a pile of dough. You're soft. You with your yeasty eyes. It makes me want to bake bread if I eat carbs, which I don't because I care about my body. But Anyway, look, interval training is all about what I call 30-20-10. Okay, you know what? Granted, I've lost a quarter step. Half step tops. But it's not like I'm some fat blob. (laughs) Well, you're not exactly fit, dude. I mean, you're definitely a chunky monkey. 
Chunky monkey? Wow. Uh, for your information, I'm on the high side of normal. You could stand to lose 40 pounds. 40 pounds? Are you out of your goddamn mind? Okay, I'm not as quote-unquote ripped as you, right? Forgive me if I don't have five hours a day to devote to narcissism. And you look horrible, by the way. Yeah, I wanted to say that too. You're way too fit. Veiny. You're just a veiny monkey. Really, it's awful, so good job. I'm trying to help you. Well, I feel attacked. I do. I'm being attacked on my own show. You know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. Okay. Maybe I'm a little sensitive. I'm sorry as well. When I said 40 pounds, I meant 60. And I could still pick you up easy. That's the power of fitness. You could pick me up? You're 100 pounds soaking wet. I'd like to see you try. Oh, sure. Yeah, challenge accepted. No, that was a figure of speech. Come I... on, Doughboy. I'll show you what discipline can do. L- let me go. You try and break free. It's the most exercise you've had all year. Put me down. Put me I'm... down. <coughs> oh, I really need to work out. All right. Get up. Come on, we gotta close out this segment. Truce, okay? Angeline? Angeline? You're so fat. Oh, God. She's just lying there like a pile of dough. Angeline? Oh, good. Thank goodness. Angeline got up, and she's walking out of the studio on her own. And totally healthy and not dead. Angeline, now don't give me that silent treatment. Aren't you going to say goodbye? No, I can tell she's mad at me and doesn't want to say goodbye. But she's okay and was only temporarily winded. Bye, Angeline. And sorry you did that. Well, I guess that's as good a place as any to call it a day. Shit. You've been listening to NP Armageddon, and I am Brian Garcia McMillan Keithley, reminding you that to live is to suffer, to survive is to find some meaning in the suffering. Take it easy. NP Armageddon is written and produced by Brian Keithley and Peter Podgurski. Mixed by Amy Reed. The theme of NP Armageddon is Nausea Ad Nauseum by Society Burning. And the full cast list can be found at nprmageddon.com. If you'd like to support the show, do so by visiting our Etsy shop at nprmageddon.etsy.com, where you can pick up a mug or a t-shirt or even a magnet for your fridge. And you know what? You can also pick up a copy of Vivian Twelve Fingers Children's Poem of Daddy Grew a Little Daddy Today, with illustrations by Devin Marcel. Drop us a line at info at nprmageddon.com or call us at 213-437-9506. Since this is our first episode, we had our moms call in. Hi, this is Kathy, Brian's mother. I wanted to call in and congratulate Brian and Peter on a job well done. The first episode is so hilarious, people will not be able to wait for the next nine episodes. They will want more, and your whole podcast will eventually go viral. Congratulations. Hi, guys. This is Peter's mother from Blackfoot, Idaho. My name is Shelly. I just wanted to congratulate you on your NPR, Armageddon. 
Good luck with that, guys. Love you. Bye. So, yes, please call us. We might feature your call on a future show, and we might even send you a T-shirt. Again, that number is 213-437-9506. Word of mouth is really important to the success of this show. So if you liked what you heard, please, you got to tell somebody. And thanks thanks for for listening. listening. Next time on NP Armageddon, literacy is at an all-time low. And we're going to keep it that way now that President Skogor has outlawed reading. But not everyone's on the same page. What if I don't read the books, huh? What if I use them to wet my ass? That's the good news. And here's even better news. If escaping reality is your thing, nothing brightens your day quite like hard drugs. A new drug called Drip, derived from smog cloud precipitation, has some people praying for rain. I can't get enough of the stuff. It's a non-stop party. And in our ongoing brand new history segment, we put you on the front lines of an ancient war. War. What is it good for? Absolutely everything. History is a harsh mistress. Indeed. Plus, sports and traffic. Off the chain, baby. Featuring the voice talents of John Delancey, Harlan Ellison, Jello Biafra, Erica Ishii, Andrew Bowser, Michael Ruzelay, Tazon Day, and many others. All this and more in NP Armageddon, Episode 2, Beta Orbiter.